Welcome to Paradigm Shift, the podcast about the intersection of business and law. By changing yourself, you can change your business. Now, here's your host, Christina Martini. Welcome to Paradigm Shift. My name is Christina Martini, and I am your host as we explore the intersection of business and law. Today, we are going to continue our conversation about the importance of authenticity and leadership with an amazing executive leadership coach, business strategy consultant, legal and operations executive, speaker, writer, organizer of chaos, and philanthropist. It is my pleasure to have Sonia Sigler back on the show. Sonia is in the confidence building business and loves to help women break through the glass ceiling. She works with highly motivated professional women and enlightened progressive men who feel stuck, uncertain, or frustrated in their career. She empowers them to find a job they love that is balanced and aligned with their work-life vision. It took her many years to learn to do this, and now she helps others design and live their balanced life. Sonia combines her one-on-one executive leadership coaching and business strategy consulting to create real-world game plans that are practical and accomplishable for startups and companies looking to grow quickly or reinvent themselves. She focuses on strategic planning and the implementation of solutions to difficult and seemingly intractable problems. Her extensive experience as an operations and legal executive ranges from startups to new business ventures inside public companies. She is a frequent writer, speaker, and trainer on many topics. Her most popular presentations and workshops are on authentic personal branding, mentoring, work-life vision, effective networking, how to ask for a raise, and the top 10 tips to manage your career. It is my pleasure to welcome Sonia Sigler back to the show. Oh, thank you for having me again. I really appreciate it. So we had an amazing conversation in the first segment talking about a bunch of different things, including your background, your professional work history, the importance of mentoring, how you landed on the path you're on today with your consulting. We started talking about authenticity and leadership. And so I thought it would be great for us to kick off the second part of our conversation talking about leadership and what you think makes a great leader. I think we can all agree that great leaders sometimes can be very hard to come by. And so we would love to hear your thoughts as to what you think makes a great leader and what is important to you for that great leadership to manifest itself. Yeah, I think there are a couple traits that I see across really great leaders. And one of them is leading by example. Do they talk the talk and walk the walk? Do they actually act like they're preaching? And I think that we can see that in the world today really clearly by who's leading by example and who's not. And I think the other thing that goes hand in hand with that is good communication. So I think as a leader sharing what the goals are, you know, what boundaries are, I think there are many different styles of leadership. I personally am a more extroverted, outgoing type of leader, but I've seen a couple introverts recently. Uh, One of them was I was on a school board for 14 years, and the leader of that school was a very introverted, quiet leader. 
And that type of leadership is going to show up differently than someone who is very outgoing and extroverted. And so I think all kinds of leadership styles can be successful, but the traits they have in common are the same for, for great leaders, no matter whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. And I think the leading by example is one of them. And then the good communication is another. And I think those two things get you, I don't know, 80% of the way there. Because if you're sharing, you know, communicating those goals that you have as a company or as an organization, that you are helping people get on board with that and how they contribute to reaching those goals and how they fit into that and their understanding of that. You know, that's true teamwork. That's truly building a team. And I think leaders who can, you know, lead by example and they can communicate well across segments, you know, all up and down the company and around their e-team and with customers and investors, those are the people that you you know, gravitate towards. I think if you look at what's going on in the world right now and gravitating towards leaders who are like, you know what, this is a difficult situation. I don't have all the answers, but I can tell you what I know right now. And those leaders are going to be the trusted ones. It's the ones who either avoid, you know, answering anything or the ones who don't stand up and say, you know, I don't know, <laughs> you know, in a way that people can hear, you know, those are the ones that are, you don't really want to follow. And so I think you can see that just, you know, by turning the media on today. And I think those two traits for me are really important. And I think, you know, we alluded to a little bit to authenticity and how that matters. And if you're authentic to, to your skills and your values as a leader, then that's going to come out as how you're leading by example. And it's going to come out in how you communicate with people. So I think those would be my top two things that, you know, make a great leader. So let's take a closer look at authenticity and what sort of really makes up somebody being authentic. I think there's a number of things, right? There's a transparency element to it. There's a, obviously a self-awareness to it also. I think that there's a need to really know and understand your audience, whoever that audience may be. And it's also a willingness to take personal responsibility as well. Do you care to maybe elaborate a little bit more on what the various aspects are to authenticity? I think everybody sort of has a visceral and you know, intuitive sense as to what it is. But I think sometimes the rubber meets the road on these sorts of things when you're able to distill it down a little bit more. Yeah, I'll give you a couple examples of what I think authenticity is as it fits into being a strong leader or effective leader. I think letting people see who you really are and I think that that can come out in different ways, you know, whether you're a parent or whether you don't have any children, whether you have interests or hobbies, whether you show those to other people, like people ask me how I do it all the time. I play trombone and I play, uh, I have played in an orchestra almost my entire career as a lawyer and executive. And people are like, how did you do that? And I never gave up my hobbies to be single-minded in a career. I kept those because those were important parts of me, important parts of my identity. 
And I did not want to give up something that gave me pleasure and gave me stress relief, in particular playing music, singing or playing trombone is a really great stress reliever. And I think holding on to those things um, is important and then keeping them in your lives. And then like my mom and I differ in opinion of disclosing that you're a parent and that you may have to leave the office to go to do some kid activity or kid related activity. She was like, never disclose that. And I was like, well, I'm telling people I got to go to my kid's school because I'm a volunteer there and I got to be in the classroom on Tuesday mornings at nine. <laughs> and, and, you know, there are just different difference of opinion. And I think that may be generational and I think it may be, you know, a, a protective mode. But for me, I thought it was important to say, I need to leave the office, you know, on Tuesday mornings to do this volunteer work. That That's one thing. And then keeping the hobbies going was another and, and showing as a role model, again, that it's possible to keep those things going and you don't have to give it up just as you go higher up the career ladder. And I think the other part of just retaining your identity, really, as it relates to authenticity, is I, for many years, thought in the male-dominated legal field that I needed to act like a man, emulate the male behavior, and that's going to get you so far, but as that chafes against other personality traits and other values that I hold dear, then that's going to seem less and less authentic. And so for me, I think once I started having kids and once I started having boys, I started holding on to any shred of femininity I could find from long hair to wearing dresses to painting my nails to, you know, having a not so balls to the wall <laughs> personality when it came to, to, you know, the legal work I was doing just, you know, inhabited me more clearly and cleanly as opposed to trying to emulate the leaders that were around me. I think that's one thing of finding your own style and embracing it especially as you take on more leadership role and more responsibility, I think is important. And I think those authentic to them leaders are the ones that people gravitate towards. And, you know, I was really lucky. I had amazing leader at Sega, Tom Kalinske, the CEO at the time. He was fabulous. Um, and I'm still in touch with him. And, and there was this general counsel who was put in over the head of, of the guy that hired me. And let's just say he he was not a good fit for being in-house and we had a legal spend at the time that was about a, a little over a million dollars a month in, in outside counsel spending fees. And I was just floored and I thought it was an extreme waste of money. He would get two or three opinions on everything. So he couldn't possibly be wrong. And I just thought that was horrible and didn't match what we were doing as a company. So you talk about personal responsibility. I made an appointment with the CEO and I went and talked to Tom and I was like, Hey, you would not believe what's going on. And we had an office that was isolated from the rest of the executives. So they couldn't really see what's going on on a day to day basis. And I just kind of laid it out to him and I'm like, this is what's going on and this shouldn't be happening. And, and Tom looked me straight in the eye and he's like, I would like to help you, but I can't, my hands are tied. And basically the leader of the board of directors put this, general counsel mm -hmm. in place. And so there wasn't anything for him to do about it. And he was honest about it. And I was like, huh, okay. So now I know I need to find something somewhere else. <laughs> this is, is not going to be workable for me for this kind of leadership style. So for me, it, it was a good 
lesson. And, you know, it's funny at a uh, holiday party last, last, last um, December, Tom said to me, he's like, that was one of the most admirable things I've seen. You know, as a baby lawyer, I was two years out and I went to see the CEO to bring this to his attention. And most people would say, oh, that's a career limiting move. Don't do it. I didn't see it that way. I thought it as a, a huge clash of values that I, I could not abide by. And so I went to do something about it. And I, so I think that kind of authentic behavior is important to recognize when it's happening. Like I didn't see it as a problem. I'm like, I'm just trying to solve the problem. (laughs) I didn't see it as career limiting. I mean, obviously it is and it, and it can be, but at the same time, if you don't live true to your values, what are you doing to yourself <laughs> and, and what are you doing to others around you? You're saying it's okay to do that when it's, when it's not, it's going to come back and bite you. So I think that kind of personal responsibility of owning your actions and behaviors and decisions is really important, especially in the context of making a mistake. Like I never would have admitted a mistake. I never would have like acknowledged it. It wasn't until I don't know, maybe 15 years into my career that I had a boss that was a really amazing role model on how to do a mea culpa, how to like, just say, I don't, I, I think it happened because of X. I'm taking personal responsibility for this not to happen again. This is the change I'm making. And having that role model was very, very helpful to be able to say, oh, I really admire his ability to be able to admit a mistake, to say, where did we go wrong here? And to say, here's what I'm going to do to fix it. And, you know, you can take a look at the various leaders that you've had either in, you know, as a boss or a department or as a company and just say, I really like these traits about those leaders and I really abhor these traits. And then you can seek out, you know, work with the leaders that you admire. And you can also be that kind of leader, you know, as, as in your own career and the people that you have reporting to you and in the companies that you run and work in. And I think it's important to just like step back and observe that. Otherwise, it's really hard to make any changes and become a better leader. <laughs> but that personal responsibility was really big for me. And, and I think, you know, it's one of the chapters in my book, Welcome to the Next Level. I don't know that we even really talked about that. But that personal responsibility for who you are and what, what you value is important to leading yourself in your own career as opposed to, and uh, as well as being a, a better leader yourself. So I think that is one of the most important things that we can point to for great leaders. Well, we are definitely going to get to your book in a moment. And I'm very excited about it. I actually just got it today and I can't wait to uh, sink into it and, and pull out all of your wisdom and have, a, have another conversation about it. But I think we would be remiss given where we are right now as a country and as a world we are right now smack dab in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. And there's been a lot of um, disruption, to say the least, to businesses, to our lives, and, and to the world. And I don't think we can have a conversation about leadership without at least touching on the environment that we're in right now. 
and mm-hmm. at least getting your initial thoughts as to the unique challenges that leaders face as a result of this environment. Yeah, I think the lead by example and the good communication are kind of like the price of admissions for leading people through a crisis. And the other thing that I would add to that list is the transparency. So I mentioned it a little bit in terms of making a mistake or the, you know, um, taking personal responsibility for something, but also transparency in the numbers, the dollars, the goals. People are overwhelmed by fear in a crisis and especially, you know, what's going on with COVID-19 and pandemic and, and people dying and people not knowing what to expect and not being able to get tested and, and all of those things that contribute to the level of fear. When there's that element of fear, you need to be an even stronger leader, even better communication, even more transparent communication. You, you need to be more of an example and role model to lead through a crisis like that. And I think saying I don't have all the answers, but saying this is what I'm doing, this is what's going on, and we'll take it one day at a time, I think gives people comfort. And so just being able to communicate on a regular basis and communicate that you don't know, but here's what we're doing um, to handle things, I think gives people a level of comfort that they desperately crave in a crisis. And I think that the more that you can keep that in mind for the level of communication and the type of communication, the more successful you're going to be as a leader. And I think you can just look around at the different leaders of the world and how that's going um, in New Zealand and Canada and Germany, a couple other countries, how they're doing it compared to United States, compared to other countries. I think you can get a pretty stark view of good leaders and not so good leaders. And I think you can do that in the United States and look at governors. I mean, there are some states that never really shut down. If you look at the Georgia governor versus, I'm going to say California, Governor Newsom, and here in Washington, where I am, Governor Isley, um, and a few others, New York, Como, I think, um, just observe and you can see that the difference in leaders and the difference in great leaders on a daily basis. And I think that answering questions, even if you don't have the answers, is an important part of that. And that goes to the good communication and transparency part of those traits. And I think it's just, you know, people, and I'll get to lawyers in a minute and working remotely and leading remotely in just a second, but, you know, to a more granular level, I'm just want to say one more thing on the high level is that crisis are an opportunity to really shine as a leader. And I don't necessarily think people think that's the case, but it really is. It's an opportunity to shine. It's an opportunity to make changes. It's an opportunity to be better. It's an opportunity to actually show good leadership skills that we might not have again, you know, this kind of opportunity, or at least let's hope not. (laughs) Well, leadership's very easy when you're coasting along and everything's great, right? I mean, that doesn't really test the metal of of, of a leader when things are going gangbusters. Oh, yeah. No, when I was hired into the video game industry, they're like, it's a boomer bust industry. It's all 
you know, roses on the way up, but on the way down, it sure as hell is bumpy. <laughs> and um, you can really tell a difference. You know, it's interesting being at so many startups is that you see the up and down like that. And so you can see the the great leadership, you know, even on the way down and even being the last person to turn out the lights, you know, there's a personal responsibility right there of managing the downward trend, you know, and closing a business. So, you know, it's, a, it's important and it's a, you know, it's, you talked about self-aware and the understanding your audience. I think that's a really important factor that emotional intelligence, understanding your audience and, and being aware of how you are as leader is important to be able to play into that success of leading people through a crisis. To get a little more granular, I think that lawyers are not necessarily ones to be on the cutting edge of, of you know, working from home <laughs> and leading remotely. You know, FaceTime is really big in the, in the legal arena, in legal space, and law firms, and even in in-house legal departments. And I think that this pandemic and shelter in place and working from home has given a different view to that fear of, am I going to be able to manage someone if I can't see them in front of me? And these same traits are, are all important, if not more important right now in being able to lead remote teams and that good communication level and that transparency is super important right now when you can't see people. I think the other part of it is you have to be proactive. Like if you're in an office and someone walks by your office, you can say hi and check in on them. But if you're working from home and they're working from home, you have to be proactive and reach out to them. And I think that's a big difference. And I think that remembering that people are human first, <laughs> as opposed to workers, um, is the other thing that's come out right now that's important to remember is that we're all human first and we're all human beings first so that take care of that part first mm -hmm. before worrying about the work. And yes, the work needs to be, you know, finished and done and all that. I'm not, I'm not discounting that, but, it, but remembering that people are human and, and being interested in people and your kids crawl into your lap and, you know, you got to cook dinner and all, all of these competing interests and homeschooling your kids while they're at home during all this. It's, it's a lot to pile on all at once and not by your choice. Whereas people working from home by choice, it's very different management and communication system, you know, situation. So I think that keeping that in mind that we're all human beings first and be able to take that into account and treat people accordingly is really important to be able to lead effectively, um, you know, through this crisis that we're in right now. All of that is terrific advice. And I, I think that our listeners have a lot to think about and and uh, take away from everything that you just said. And hopefully we're able to come back to at least a little bit more normalcy relatively soon. I don't think we're ever going to see things the way they were again, at least not for a very long time, but hopefully we can all find a little bit more normalcy as we head into the summer. You know, I think it's a really great opportunity to say, what do I want to look like going forward? <laughs> you know, what do I want my office? What do I want my home? What do I want my work structure to be going forward? And for us to take leadership roles, you know, in a law firm or in a corporate legal department to say, what do I want? Because I think we've lost sight of, you know, we're all about results in the legal space. We're all about results. And, 
if we can keep our eye on that, then it shouldn't matter how we get to the results. If I work five hours today or 20 hours tomorrow, if I get the same results, you know, then what does it matter whether I work those five hours or those 20 hours? So I think that we have an opportunity to redefine normal going forward. I completely agree with you. And it's going to be interesting to see how things unfold in the coming weeks and months. Yeah. So let's switch gears real quick. We're almost out of time. And I want to make sure that we take at least a couple of minutes to talk about your book, Welcome to the Next Level. It looks like an incredible read. And I'm sure our listeners would love to hear what inspired you to write it and what you were hoping to achieve for your readers in writing it. Yeah, I was inspired to write this when I gave a talk on the top 10 tips to manage your career at the beginning of, uh, I think it was the beginning of 2014. And then I just didn't want someone to have to go through what I did in terms of being stuck and not being able to figure out my next move and taking all that time to do it. So, you know, it's in the context of getting to the next level of your career and finding that you're stuck and, and being able to take action and being able to rise higher in your career and being able to figure out how to self-promote and not sound like a, you know, self-absorbed jerk. It's about being able to know what you want and, and go for that. And I think that I didn't want others to have to take so long to figure it out like I did. (laughs) So I really wanted to share what I learned through the school of hard knocks and how to be able to manage your career proactively. So that's kind of the, the advice I put together in welcome to the next level and welcome is an acronym for the steps that I take people through to be able to help themselves manage their own career. So uh, it came out about a year ago and, you know, I share it with people in talks and I share it with people like you uh, picked it up and, you know, it's just a great way to start the conversation and to be able to help people. I am so excited to read it and I'm so excited to continue our conversation about it. So you've got so many great things going on right now. What is next for you and what are you hoping to achieve in the next year or two? It's interesting you ask that. I am in the middle of writing my second book and it's due June. It's due. It's due in like a week. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So what's interesting is in putting this book together, it's really exploring, I believe, chapter 10 about the obstacles and barriers, like what actually holds you back from from rising higher in your career. And I have put together an online course for the welcome to the next level. And I I work with people on a one-on-one basis or on a group basis to, to do that work. And I'm getting ready to do that same course development to teach people, you know, the obstacles and boundaries that I'm writing right now in this second book. And it's tentatively tiled, should I stay or should I go? Deciding to leave a stable job to follow my passion. And that's kind of exactly what I did when I left Intuit to go to startups. And so I left my stable, well-paying, amazing legal department job to go to the crazy world of startups. And you know, it made sense for me, but it might not make sense for someone else to leave their, you know, seemingly stable job or high paying job or a career they've built for 20 years. So it's really walking people through the things that can hold them back from making that decision and then help them 
plan a path forward. So that's what I'm steeped in right now. And, and what's next for me is to be able to develop that course and material to take others through that decision-making process. Well, you're such an inspiration. You've got so many great things going on. It's it's going to be such a pleasure to see how the book does and, and what comes of it. And as we wind down our segment together, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners and where can they find you? I do have some final thoughts. Uh, funny enough, <laughs> I'm not a very quiet person, so <laughs> I'll share those. Um, I think it's important to take your career into your own hands and not just leave it on autopilot. And I think in terms of being a leader, be a leader for yourself first and then for others is important. And then starting with what it is that you want out of your career and your life and, and be able to, you know, put that plan in place and then take a step forward each day to, to meet, meet your own goals. It's like, you can't help someone else. If you haven't put your own oxygen mask on first, that's what this book and what I'm all about is to put your own oxygen mask on first, help yourself and you know, one action at a time. And then I think the important thing is that you can find me at sonyasigler.com. So just my first name and last name. It's S-O-N-Y-A-S-I-G-L-E-R. And then if you do want to get a copy of my book, so just sonyasigler.com slash book, and it'll take you to a downloadable dialogue to be able to get my book for free. So I did want to share that with your listeners, because I think it's important to share the resources and, and help people where I can. So I appreciate you having me on and continuing our conversation about these important topics of, of being great leaders, starting with ourselves. Well, Sonia, it's been such a pleasure to have you. And I look forward to continuing our conversation, both on the air and off the air. I think the work you do is incredible and of such importance and in service to others. So thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Paradigm Shift. We hope that you've enjoyed part two of our conversation with Sonia Sigler and hope that you will join us next week. I am your host, Christina Martini. Please look for our weekly episodes every Tuesday. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please visit us at www.paradigmshiftshow.com. We would love to hear from you. Please look for new episodes of Paradigm Shift every Tuesday.